Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Two Average Brown Bros podcast. I'm your host, Brishank. And I'm your host, Andres. And today is Monday, January 17th, 2021. Andres, what's happening, man? Um, not much over here, you know, just um, not enjoying the cold temperatures out east. <laughs> but other than that, everything pretty chill. Um, cool as a cucumber. How about you? Well, I'm back in Canada officially. At the time of recording, obviously, it'll be a day later than when we recorded. But yeah, so back in Canada is, you know, I was just comparing the temperatures of the different places. So Regina and Saskatoon are actually warmer than Ottawa and Montreal. And then DC was pretty warm too. But DC, as soon as I you know, left, they got a massive snowstorm and we're supposed to get a big one as well. So now looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Snowstorms are are different over here. I remember in Sask, out of like the eight years living over there, only one year I would say I experienced what a true snowstorm was. Um, so yeah, it's not looking pretty over here for that. But welcome back to Canada. We miss you over on this side of the border. <laughs> I missed you too, and I I can't say I missed the cold. But it certainly feels good to be back because I have been gone for almost five weeks. As you all remember, I went home for a couple of weeks and then I went to the States for a couple of weeks. So now I'm back, back in business. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just you, you just have to be back at some point. Exactly. So Andres, what did you learn this past week, man? Uh, oh, I learned a lot about uh, different things uh, this week, just. Uh, you know, procrastinating <laughs> some schoolwork. So watched a ton of YouTube videos. And one of the ones that actually um, that actually grabbed my attention, which I didn't know that it happened, uh, it is about Executive Order 9066. Have you heard about that one, Brashank? No, I haven't. What is that? So Executive Order 9066 uh, it, it was an order signed by, back in the day, for President Roosevelt in the States. Um, and in the order, it authorized that certain people that were deemed a threat to national security on the West Coast to relocate them further, uh, further inland. So this is like, basically what this is, is the States and the, like their Department of Defense and the military uh uh created like exclusion zones out on the west coast uh and certain people were deemed a threat uh they will be moved to uh relocated somewhere else in the country so some people got moved to arizona some people got moved to utah things like that but what's interesting about this order is that it is applied to persons that are deemed a threat which even though it's not explicitly said it was aimed um, it was aimed at American Japanese American people because they were uh, they didn't the government at the time didn't know if uh, people of Japanese ancestry will be able to be loyal to the United States uh, or if they will always have uh, some sort of loyalty to to Japan and they might act as spies and. Um, so basically, they were relocated to different parts of the country, and yeah, they were put in these camps uh, inland. And there's like, uh, there's some pictures and documentaries about it. But yeah, that's something new that I learned uh, because you know I love history, uh, but we always think of like World War II, and when we think about concentration camps, we usually think about the ones put in by the Nazi regime, and then we think about the Soviet ones, uh, but never as something that would have hap- that would happen over on this part of the world. But yeah, so Japanese Americans were, uh, were relocated because the United States government uh, thought they, will, they were a national threat. And yeah, that is just something that whenever you're learning about 
uh, World War II, uh, it's really never mentioned. Uh, so, um, so yeah, as you like with that, like the way that it's like other camps were put out there in terms of like what each regime wanted to portray, what really happened in the camps. It also happened on this one. Um, uh, different photographers will take pictures in order to uh, narrate what was happening in the camps and some pictures made the cut and other pictures did not make the cut. So yeah, that's something interesting I really learned uh, this past week. Wow, that's actually very interesting. Now that you mentioned it, I think we learned it early in elementary uh, school. We had like a thing on, um, you know, the World War II and one of the subjects was the Japanese internment camps. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously that's something that, you know, we don't really learn, like you said, throughout like high school or university as much as other places. So that definitely is interesting. Yeah, it makes you think, you know, I think even Canada had some like internment camps or like work camp for like Asian people back in the day to build like, I, if I remember correctly, to build like the CPR railway, they did use Japanese um, labor pretty much. Yeah, that's also, um, yeah, that's also not a great chapter in Canadian history the, when uh, the Japanese and the Asian community building uh, the Canadian railways. Absolutely. How about Juvershang? What did you learn this week? So not really this week, because this week I didn't really learn anything much, but I don't know if I updated, you know, the listeners and yourself as to what happened at that Toronto airport a couple of weeks ago where I was, you know, stranded at the airport to say, uh, stop me if, I, if I've already, you know, said this story. But so when I was going down to the States, my flight from Regina to Toronto was delayed by like almost two, three hours because of uh, bad weather. Um, incoming flight to Regina was delayed. So then when I got to Toronto, it was, first of all, it was Christmas Day, so December 25th. Um, I should have, you know, realized it was Christmas Day. But when I got to Toronto, there was four or five of us that were, that had to make it to the customs in Toronto Pearson. And as, you know, you might know and other people might know, Toronto Pearson Getting to U.S. Customs can be kind of hectic because you have to go down this long hallway and then through TSA security and then Customs. And the four or five of us that were on the Regina flight, when we got to Customs, they told us it had just closed. And obviously, we were pretty taken aback because it was only, I believe we landed at like 6.30. We were supposed to land at 5.30, but we landed at 6.30 or maybe 7, a little bit before 7. And they told us it closed and they like, turn around, right? Mm -hmm. we're like what do you mean turn around like our flight like our flight leaves in like well three of the guys that were with me their flight leaves in like 10 minutes mine leaves in like 30 minutes and we're just questioning as to what we should do and they're like well customers closed we just closed it we can't do anything and I guess it turns out on Christmas day or maybe even other holidays too that customs closes earlier which I found strange because people could be arriving at like midnight, you know, or like 3 a.m. in the morning. Like, where do they go? They just like, and they can't get a visa for like that country's, um, you know, visa for that country. Thankfully mm -hmm. for me, like I'm so I have a Canadian passport. So all, what I had to do was exit the airport, then come back again through security. But that meant I couldn't go through check-in because they don't let you check in like way ahead of your flight. And my flight... They rescheduled me. Air Canada did reschedule me for a flight at 9.30 the next morning, um, which was kind of strange because it got me thinking, like, you know, what do you do if that happens to you? And I found this website. I remember I used it a couple of years ago, but I had forgotten about it. It's called Sleeping in Airports, I believe. I don't know if you've heard of that website, Andreas. No, I haven't. Okay, so it's pretty much like a really cool database about, so for any travelers out there, it lays out, you know, all the cool sleeping places, if there are sleeping places or shower, public showers or lounges in different airports around the world. And obviously, you know, Toronto Pearson, before you get to security, there really isn't much. After security, there's a lounge that's open at like after 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. until midnight, I believe. And there's a couple sleeping pods. I couldn't find the sleeping pods, but then I end up sleeping on a couple of benches for, well, sleeping in quotes because obviously you know these days airports i feel like i don't know if you've noticed but they're slowly transitioning from those benches that don't have like armrests to armrest every like other seat yeah and i think it's to prevent people from like sleeping on the benches so that kind of sucked but i did my best you know it wasn't just i could have got a hotel but there's no point getting a hotel for like 
four or five hours of you know just rest it was like the cheap cheap and close hotels were like 130 140 dollars a night and i'm like that's not worth it so i did end up sleeping at a, at the toronto pearson which i mean it's not the first time i slept at an airport i slept at not counting like actual layovers where you're already past security you know not counting the lounges um i mean like sleeping on the floor pretty much um so this was my second or third time doing that so it was a pretty cool neat experience you know would i do it again if i had to obviously um mm-hmm. i don't mind it i'm not a picky sleeper i can fall asleep anywhere but you know if you're ever traveling and you need to find a you know you're somewhere where you don't know the layouts or the lounges are closed sleeping in airports i believe that's a website um if that's not the website i'll correct myself on the next episode but as far as i remember i think that is a website so check it out you know it will give you all the hints and tips and secrets of you know being in the airport after hours after security is closed or in my case after the u.s customs had closed for christmas day <laughs> oh my god that story is wild also <laughs> yeah it's interesting that they close like i understand it's christmas day but it's interesting that they close <laughs> like why <laughs> people mm-hmm. it's not like flights are not coming in after that exactly so that's what confused me the most because they obviously had my flights for 7 30 and if they close at seven houses that makes sense right like maybe there's other travelers coming from other places that i need to go to custom suits even though it was christmas like you said it doesn't make sense to close it or uh, but then again u.s customs as we all know you know u.s border security is pretty tight so kind of is on par with them um mm-hmm. as i talked to air canada they're the lady at the Air Canada desk told me that once, I think it was a couple of years ago, there was 100 or 180 people in line for U.S. Customs and they closed and they didn't let anyone through. So all those people literally had to do what I had did. So, you know, you ha- you do have to be a little careful when you're traveling, especially on holidays, you know, delays and stuff. But like things beyond your control, like, you know, there's a weather delay, we can control that. Um, so I don't know. It was, we, we did what we had to do, but it was kind of like a uh, situation, you know. Oh, so weird and still mind-blowing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, one of the biggest and best countries they proclaim, but won't let three, four people in because of a weather delay, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, good old weather. We'll talk more about the weather when we close up the episode. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Andres, what are we talking about today? This week, uh, today, we're talking about a very controversial topic, and that is the good old pandemic. Absolutely. You know, it feels like at this point, it, and we're getting new variants. We, I, I just read before starting this uh, recording that Omicron has a sub-variant as well now. <laughs> so, <laughs> lovely we we love to hear all of this different variants of yeah like at this point i know a lo- not just you and me on this but a lot of people are feeling covid fatigue you know and oh absolutely it sucks because you know we for the most part we've done our part to get vaccinated and stay safe but it is hitting not just physically or you know spiritually but emotionally as well yeah i think yeah that's I think, like you said, everyone is getting COVID fatigue and, you know, the burden, like the and the frustration that many of us are going through as like this keeps on progressing and progressing and progressing is just uh, there's just so much uh, a person can take around the same circumstances. Absolutely. And like, you know, we've been talking about this on our podcast for I think this is already our like fourth or fifth episode around covid or and i'm sure we've mentioned it on a lot more than just those episodes but at this point it just truly seemed like it's never going to end and it's something that we're going to have to live with yeah i think i think a lot of more people are transitioning into into that mind and into that type of thinking absolutely so i guess you know uh, let's try to be controversial as we can like i guess how did we get here you know what what's what led to this COVID fatigue for you, I guess, Andres? To the COVID fatigue, I think is just, uh, I think one of the main things is just uh, uh, two main things. One is the indecisiveness of uh, of the government on how to approach different things. Um, 
and how to go about it and um and definitely uh definitely polit like people and especially people in leadership politicizing all of this like even though it's a health crisis a humanitarian crisis in a certain way sometimes uh people keep on not only here but like across the globe uh people trying to politicize what the pandemic is so that is why uh because then that leads to bad decisions and i think uh, what has gotten me to get COVID fatigue is like the bad decisions that keep keep on being made uh that just keeps on keeps on dragging it and that's the thing like it's just a continuation of being dragged which is like very annoying you know yeah no absolutely i agree with you on that and i think for me it just seems like back in 2020 march and it was like, okay, we don't know where, what kind of virus this is. You know, we heard coronavirus, COVID. We knew it was similar to the SARS outbreak back in the early 2000s. But we obviously didn't have that much research into it. So when the first set of lockdowns, you know, set in, I thought, hey, that's fine. If, if that's what's needed to help, you know, find the curve, right? That's mm -hmm. fine with me. Let's do it because... And in the beginning, I remember this so clearly when literally all the celebrities, all the athletes were saying, we're in this together, blah, 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 all that, right? And at first, it was great because it was like, okay, we get to stay at home. We're, for most of us, obviously not essential workers, but most of us, we got to work from home, you know. And it was fine and dandy. And then it got a little bit better over the next couple of months. And then it got the second wave hit. And then second set of lockdowns was set in. And at that point, I think my mindset was still okay because at that point, you know, we're like, okay, vaccines are obviously going to come in the next, you know, six months, maybe a year. And obviously from H1N1, the flu back in 2009, we knew vaccines, you know, when the world combines to, you know, their efforts combined, we can do a lot of great things. So I thought, hey, the vaccines will be out. We'll be out of this in no time. So then, there was lots of optimism after that second wave where we're like, okay, you know, we'll be in this lockdown. And we knew the second wave was always going to be worse, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the Spanish flu back in 1900s. But then I think after that, it got a little bit better. You know, the numbers were starting to go down. We saw so much. And I think, I believe that was a little, in the summertime. And obviously, you know, wintertime where it's going to get worse, but we didn't, we didn't think it was going to be that bad because we'd be like, hey, the vaccines will be out then. But then now it seems like we're at the, what, fifth or f fourth or fifth wave already, and it seems to just get worse and worse. And, you know, we, like, for me, I think the biggest thing is, okay, we, for most of us, most of us smart ones, or most of us that happen to get the vaccines, you know, even the booster at this point, I don't know a lot of you, Andres, if you got the booster, but I have already got the booster. And yet we're still on another lockdown, right? Yeah, I haven't been able to get my booster because that's the other thing. So uh, I got to see how the rest of, like from Quebec, I got to see how the rest of Canada was uh, was opening up uh, for everyone to be eligible for boosters uh, right before the holidays or by the holidays. Um, and in Quebec, we were just here, like just very specific uh, groups of people were able to get their boosters. So we're just here waiting. And then until right now in January, uh, it opened up for people to be able to get their boosters. Like at least my, like now everyone over age 18 is able to get the booster, but the system is super complicated and uh, booking, uh, booking it as like, it's just very weird, which is a, like another thing. It, it's not, it, it has not been made easy <laughs> to get your booster here. Uh, unless like, of course, if you're like, a Quebec resident and a Quebec citizen, it is like actually easy to do it online. But if you're not, uh, in, like all the different hurdles you have to go through in order to get it, it's actually like mind boggling. Uh, so yeah, it is just like one of those things that, yeah, I mean, different, different provinces, at least in Canada, they have decided to approach the situation very differently. But yeah, we're we're here. Um, so far, predictions say that we've reached uh, 
we reached the peak of um of like transmission and everything in Omicron. So like in a week or two, we'll be reaching the peak of hospitalizations in regards to it. But it is just like, uh, it's just a little bit frustrating <laughs> like that uh, we're on we're on the fifth wave and we'll see what comes, what comes after. <laughs> At this point, anything can happen. But definitely my mindset is like, we need to figure out a way uh, in order to address this and keep on like be better at it because it's not possible that we uh, it's also not economically sustainable to keep on going into lockdowns and then out of lockdowns and then back into lockdown and put it up like there's restrictions that need to be put in order to keep everyone safe yes but is it when we start looking at other things as like the economy it is not economically visible or sustainable to keep on opening and closing businesses up like yeah big corporations will be able to survive it but you know um a lot of local businesses small businesses will not be able to like keep on opening and closing their doors to their customers and as well as like for just the population in general mentally having to keep on adapting to so many different changes over time there's just a level of resiliency that everyone has so some people even like from the very first lockdown the very first set of restrictions that was enough for them so i cannot imagine for them like having to go through several rounds of it how that has been impacting their mental health and even for some people that are more resilient going back and forth into these restrictions it's also like it also takes a toll uh, mentally and at the end of the day as human beings that we are we are social like social entities so uh there's other parts that yeah some like for periods of time you'll be like yeah i can give up on this but then naturally you want to go back into it and having constant waves is not making it easy absolutely there's a couple things that you said that i wanted to touch up on um first of all i think it's just incompetence from every level of government i I know for the most part, you know, Canada, obviously more privileged than some of the other countries, you know, like we are, we're here discussing boosters while some countries, you know, haven't even get their second or even first shot. So, you know, for the most part, we've done pretty good. But I think my biggest problem has been, we've been at it for two years now. And, you know, once, you know, we were told once the vaccines are out, it'll be a little bit better. But then yet the vaccines are out, yet we're still under heavy lockdowns. You know, it just doesn't makes sense to me because it's like how long are we going to keep this up like you know the variant what if a new variant comes out every two three months like are we going to go on lockdowns for the rest of our lives like i don't think that's feasibly feasible economically or socially mm -hmm. it's it's just frustrating because you know like obviously vaccines aren't the end-all be-all solution but obviously they they play a big part you know the data all the data really shows that vaccinated people are much more um, safe compared to the unvaccinated. Obviously, you're going to have some exceptions, you're going to have some outliers, but for the most part, the most people getting sick with the Omicron, even the Delta, or even the Delta, are the unvaccinated. And this is my controversial take, this is my bold take, but if you're not going to get the vaccine by choice, then I don't feel bad for you because that's your personal choice. You know, unless you're immunocompromised and you can't get the vaccine or you have a severe allergic reaction, okay, I understand. But if it's just by purely by choice or it's because you don't want to, you know, your bullshit thing of not putting chips in your body, come on. If the government really wants to track you, you don't think they can track you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's so many different ways. You literally have a computer in your phone. They can track you so many ways. They're not going to put a chip in vaccines. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, all the controversies or conspiracy theories that came out of vaccinations and everything. Uh, it is just like that's the other thing that at least from my end it has been really frustrating and very annoying at times it's just all the misinformation that has been put out there uh, in regards to COVID and uh, regard to the vaccines all the misinformation and how the media has portrayed it and then how it gets like how it propagates uh, into different communities that are already like 
vaccine hesitant, right? Uh, and but then all this misinformation, uh, you know, and like for me, it's very annoying and frustrating as someone that is in public health. It's just like, no, we know that we can do better. We need to trust the science. But when you have these big media conglomerates and big personalities pushing information that is just absolutely wrong, uh, you know, it's like a lot easier some, like for people to hear it from other people and under, like be like, oh, yeah, I believe in this. Than when you try to present science, it's always hard to make, convince people once you present the hard data, once you present the hard evidence, like this is what is going to happen. Uh, and yeah, and like I re, like in terms of like that is for me, in, it's not a hard take, but uh, it is like the reasoning when people are like, oh, yeah, but like vaccines have a X, Y and Z side effects. And there's been so many people that have had that. I'm just like, yeah, but it becomes to the media and it becomes like a huge story because it's like a very, like, it's like a one in a very few possibilities to be that. So of course it becomes a highlight. Of course it becomes like a newsworthy event. But out of like that one or two people that are being shown on the media that they got bad side effects, how many thousands or hundred thousands people are not getting those side effects and it is some of that um of that way in the like uh, is the cost benefit um relationship and putting everything on a balance and when it comes to public health matters and anything uh, public health related uh when you weigh those uh pros and cons uh every public health decision that is made usually and most likely it is done when um when the benefits outweigh the harm and that's kind of like one of the principles of public health is whatever you do whatever even when it comes down to research uh, and when it comes to the application of those uh, into real policies uh, always public health what is going to be looking at is the benefits have to outweigh the harm because you don't want to do more harm than helping people so and that is what's happening like with vaccines that it is what it is right yeah there's going to be people that are going to be having some of those side effects yes but we need to trust the science that that the data like the research was done the clinical trials are there and it's just all the like and we've talked in one of our episodes how vaccines are done and all the different um different phases that they have to go through in order to actually be able to be distributed uh, so that's one. And like you said, like now at this point, if you don't get it and you believe it's your choice to not get it, that is fine. But then for me, you're being selfish in a way because um, I understand and don't clearly see, but I try to understand where these people are coming from. But, you know, like... Um, like usually how it's like everyone has your rights and people keep on talking about your rights but my controversy is like you also have responsibilities as a citizen and you not getting a vaccination um, in order to prevent this to continue going on um, yeah you're executing your right but you're you're not following up with your responsibility as a citizen like this is not like yeah it comes to individual matters but your individual decision is actually having uh, it's having a bad effect in society in general. And so, yeah, and like we saw it uh, right now with Omicron, like I kept on tracking uh, how the stats were uh, going in different countries and what it will look like and what was it looking like. And yeah, of course, um, there were more cases uh, and that's why we had a wave, but because the virus was more transmissible um, which that means it's just like it's easy to spread and that's why everyone was getting it but it was a milder version uh, so yeah of course when you have more cases of something of course you're going to be most likely you're going to be increasing the number of people that will end up in the hospital for it but many studies now are separating and many reporting of the data are separating the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated um, just to see like what the reality is and every single one of them shows 
like yeah like there's an increase in general but like most of them like like some places more than 75 percent of hospitalizations and people in the ICU come from the unvaccinated and that's what's putting the strain on our healthcare system that is why ICU beds are getting filled is because most of these are from uh are from the unvaccinated people and not from the vaccinated uh which just puts into perspective like actually how well uh, the vaccine is in order to yeah at this point uh how well it works in order to avoid uh a way worse infection a way worse illness uh, but you know sometimes you cannot get through people and that's the frustrating part that the decision of some people is affecting everyone else absolutely and one thing that you said that i liked was you know the unvaccinated are the ones straining the healthcare system right now and i think i read on the news a couple weeks ago that i want to say singapore or maybe another country but they you know they put unvaccinated people at the bottom of the list so like i literally the other day i was reading in canada you know surgeries for different diseases um different injuries are getting pushed back because they have to take care of covid patients but that one country i think like i said i think it was singapore they put covid patients that are unvaccinated by choice at the bottom of the list so if you have covid and you're not vaccinated you're not getting the top of the care prior you know healthcare and i know some people will say that's not fair but i think that's totally fair because like you said the unvaccinated are the ones straining the healthcare you know system so many people are like i said have been the surgeries have been skipped their treatments have been skipped all because nurses and doctors have to tend to covid patients that aren't vaccinated of course like i said there's always going to be outliers and those people that are vaccinated that get sick and even sometimes very sick but the numbers don't lie their numbers are very low and this goes back to the you know side effects of the vaccine i remember a couple of months ago you know one of the big things about i believe it was delta um people were worried about getting blood clots or whatever and from from the vaccine but the chances of getting a the clot from covid was much much higher than the vaccine but people you know they saw a couple of people getting the clot from vaccines and they were all scared but obviously you know there's other everyday drugs everyday drugs that we take such as Tylenol, Advil or any other, you know, even birth control for women. So yeah, you know, like those everyday over the counter drugs have a higher chance of giving you blood clots in the vaccine sometimes. And that's not my only issue with the misinformation, it's that, you know, the whole vaccine passports because people were making a big deal out of it, you know, some on a lot of people were saying, "Oh, that's very authoritarian." Like, you know, that's what the um nazis did to like the jewish people back in the day the you know they had their own the star of david on their shirt and whatever but that's not that's not even even the same comparison you know like to put it into perspective when i first moved from um nepal to new zealand to us i literally had a vaccine passport you know i was written all the vaccines that i had received as a kid written down and dated to go to school as a kindergarten first grade i had to show those and i'm sure that i wasn't the only one i'm sure every single person that went to school in north america and maybe even around the world had to show that vaccine to get into school because a lot of you know diseases that we don't even see as much these days because why vaccines that have helped to eradicate if you know or even lessen the chance of getting um but the whole thing people getting mad over vaccine pass or like i'm like what's a big deal we've always done it you know it's just another thing to help us out like you know i the government isn't planning to do anything to you using vaccines like i don't know why people still believe that like it's not, that honestly is one of the dumbest things i've heard like going back to what i said earlier there's so many other ways for government to track you if they really wanted to track you literally everyone has a phone even people that don't want the vaccine they have a phone they have a facebook account the government can spy on you in so many other ways they don't need to do it through vaccines oh yeah no absolutely and that's one of again like one of those uh of like this entire situation getting politicized right 
And like you mentioned it with the vaccine passports, um, that has always been a concept. Just right now, it's like a passport specific to a specific illness in order to be able to gain access to certain things, right? Uh, and it has just, it is like the center and like the spotlight is on it. But like you said, like uh, whenever you want to go to school here in North America, you have to show like the kid has all of these vaccines and if they have them they can go to school if they don't sorry but you know you're putting the other kids in danger because you're not protected against it right and uh whenever like if we take it out of the school context whenever you want to travel to an area that is high risk for certain diseases you in order to either exit the country or enter the specific country you have to get a certain number of vaccinations uh in order to be able to be uh to be safe right and sometimes when you want to enter a certain profession or when you want to you know like in my situation right like whenever when i wanted to when i decided that you know i'm going to apply for my for my permanent residency, I had to do a medical exam uh, in which a lot of different things I was screened for in order to like be like, am I a healthy, healthy enough individual that I'm not going to be putting a strain in the healthcare, healthcare system? What, what am I like? Am I bringing some type of illness, some type of disease into the country that the government needs to know ahead of time before they decided to give me a residency or not, right? And that is completely outside of the vaccination realm. So um, this is screen screening things, um, vaccination passports. It's just like it's the same concept, but apply in a very specific situation. So uh, that is one way that it's been politicized. You know, uh, when we talk about like vaccine campaigns and everything, People is like, oh, we don't know what's on in it, and uh, we don't know what's gonna do to us. Uh, when polio was like in a giant, like it was an epidemic, like polio was like a disease to look after. When the vaccine was developed for polio, the campaigns were out there to like go get your vaccine in order to do that. And slowly, um, as a, like a, a like human civilization, we were able to eradicate polio. It took time, yes, but everyone needed to get on board with it. And the one way we were able to do that was like with vaccination. Vaccination helped eradicate polio. And that is why we don't hear of any more cases about polio because it's been eradicated. And it just shows that vaccination works, right? Um, so, and that's the thing. Um, and I mean, it's like a pretty good saying, right? If you don't learn from your history, you're bound to repeat it. And here we are. How many? We have got the Spanish flu in the early 1900s. We got, you know, we got SARS at the beginning of the millennium. We got an epidemic of H1N5 or whatever it was, like close to the 2010s. And once again, we're here facing a pandemic. And one, we're not well prepared in order to handle it. We're seeing the strains on our healthcare system uh, as as civil as 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 a world that is so globalized. Like globalization is such a huge thing now that we have to put into the equation in order to deal with matters like this. We we cannot come across with like a consensus on how to address it worldwide, and that is one of the main reasons that. This keeps on evolving. We haven't put into consideration, like, even though people try to say that different things have been put into consideration to address that, we haven't. And that's the reason why this this keeps on spreading, is there hasn't, um, every single country has been handling it so differently that in order to tackle it this the proper way, there has to be a community effort. There has to be something that we're doing globally in order to address it. And yes, vaccines is like the best way to go about it, but then different mandates, different public health strategies need to be put into place in order to be able to actually uh, tackle it into it. Absolutely. And 
one keyword that you mentioned, preparedness. You know, that's the base issue I have with not just the Canadian government, but the global effort is where has the preparedness been? Like I mentioned earlier, we've been at it for two years, you know, two years, and they came up with a vaccine. But what has the government really been doing to help us navigate to do this? You know, like early in the pandemic, we saw China build a hospital in three, four days, you know, and but Canada, it seems like we're lagging quite far behind. Like, obviously, like I said, we have been living through this pandemic. Um, the vaccines are out. Yet it seems like nothing's changed from two years ago, right? It seems like, is there new ICU beds? I have no idea. Are we better prepared than we were two years ago? I have no idea. Um, do we have any new resources to help, you know, overcome this pandemic or future variants that come? I honestly have no idea. And I guess that's where I'm confused because what, like, we, you know, Delta came and then now Omicron came. And now we're getting, we're definitely going to get more variants, right? For sure. Like at this point, I'm prepared for like variants for the next year, maybe even two years, maybe even two years, or maybe it'll even go to the way as the normal seasonal influenza has gone, right? Like majority of the influenza, 60 to 70% of the influenza can be grouped into A, B, and C. And that's why every year, you know, they have to predict which kind of fluid that's going to come this year and that's where the vaccines are developed honestly maybe covid will be the same but where has the preparedness from the government really gone and that's i don't think that's a left or right issue that's not really a doug ford or you know scott mo or justin trudeau issue that's i think that's something that needs to be addressed all together and obviously you know provinces are going to say we want our rights the federal government said no you have to do it our way like I feel like that's where sometimes you just have to step in as a prime minister or as a leader, just say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Because like we said at the beginning of the pandemic, we're all in this together. Exactly. And that's it. Like the thing is just like very frustrating at times to see. Um, at least like in Canada, it's frustrating to see how different provinces handle it differently and then globally how different countries. So like I, uh, for me, I see it how... Like, I truly get to see how a for what is considered a developed country handling the pandemic compared to a developing country handling a pandemic back in Mexico, right? Uh, two different scenarios, two different ways that their economies work, right? And it is frustrating to see that, uh, for example, back, back home, uh, like, no one really truly knows, like, what the true extent of it, uh, like, of COVID it is because yeah some numbers are getting reported but we also know that a lot of these numbers back in mexico they're fabricated or they're actually they're underestimated uh, there's no true way on making sure that those are the true numbers just based on basic like basically the corruption that runs in the government or the government also you know hiding the numbers in order to not let the population know what truly is like the health situation is in mexico because um, that's how that's how things are run in a developing country. Um, and then the lack of testing or that people have to get like have to pay in order to get tested and everything. So seeing it over there uh, in terms of that way and then seeing it how it's right now over here in the like a developed world, uh, to see that there's like we, like even though it's hard to admit, it's just there are cracks in our healthcare system. There's um, there's not enough support in order to be able to, uh, you know, to have people be able to come out in order to keep on being surviving and like through the pandemic. And like a simple, like when the pandemic started, yes, SERP kicked in and it was there to help people out. Uh, people that lost their jobs because they couldn't go and do their jobs anymore because of the pandemic. Uh, and yeah, SERP worked for some people but it didn't work for everyone, right? When you put it into perspective, if you're like a single person um, and you have your needs, you have your utility bills and you are able to like afford housing that's cheap, but like when you put it into perspective, there's just so much that like it was $2,000 minus taxes. So whatever that is, that can get you through right 
and depending on also where you live in the country like two thousand dollars in toronto is not the same that two thousand dollars in saskatoon they go very different ways um so yeah serb was there but did it help certain people yes it did help it really like take a little bit of stress out but still people were stressing because people were not able to make ends meet because you know life is not cheap in canada so try putting that into perspective and as well people you know um a lot of sometimes of the spread or like outbreaks in companies is because there's not a good sick pol sick day policies in companies so of course people are afraid to declare that they're covid positive because they don't know if they're going to lose their job a lot of companies they have what three to five pay days uh sick day pay days um when whenever you uh whenever someone got covid before you were you were told you have to isolate for two weeks so one week you're covered by pay like sick pay days and the other week uh if you are luckily to have vacation days you can use that but if you don't have that then you give up your pay for two weeks for COVID. Um, so then you're losing your income from that. So once again, that's adding stress. And medically, a stressed buddy in that circumstance, it's not going to be the best buddy in order to recuperate, in order to recover from, from an illness. Um, so there's different layers to like uh, everything. And I think something that is very controversial and I probably were not ready to have this conversation at many levels is that COVID has just unraveled everything that is wrong with society, all the different inequalities that, uh, that are out there. They just have come up to light a lot more. And I don't think a lot of people are ready to have, uh, to have that conversation because it really shows, um, uh, shows many different aspects of our society that that are not the greatest. And the more you think about it, the more that when people is like, I just want to get back to normal. For me, my mindset is just like, um, we're not going back to normal because if we go back to normal, we're going to be still in a system that works for some people, but it doesn't work for the majority. We're going back to a place in which uh, there's still going to be health inequalities across the system. Um, so it's not going, for me, it's not going back to normal. For me, from this, we have to learn that we have to move on into something that works for everyone. And what we were doing before clearly isn't working because now we're in this situation. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it's just, I think that's my controversial take is, once we start recovering from all of this, uh, we should not be going back to normal. We should be come going back. We should be figuring out how we are going to be moving forward from what it wasn't working before. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the social um, aspect of it because one of the last things I really want to talk about on this episode was the social aspect of COVID. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the key phrases we heard everywhere was, we're all in this together. But soon we learned we're not all in this together because the rich people, you know, they have their own private islands, private mansions. They can go do whatever they like. And then there's, you know, the rest of the people struggling, like you said, getting on day by day because they've a, either been laid off or they can't work because they're sick or there's so many other reasons, right? So clearly we weren't in this all together because if we were in, it'd be equal for everyone. We all of us would be in that mansion, you know, just living it up and partying it up. Further to that, um, even two years on, we, it's it hasn't been equal socially. People have been drained. And I might sound a little bit hypocritical, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I've been privileged enough to travel a little bit here and there. And I consider myself lucky because I have been able to do that by choice. But a lot of people um, that I know personally and that I've read, have been sticking to guidelines to the dot, right? They've been vaccinated. They've been, you know, living themselves to their household only, ordering groceries, you know, literally following every single restrictions. And I can only imagine what they're feeling, right? They're, they're doing all their part and they're still not, they haven't gone back to work or they can't see their families. 
yet there's people out there literally living their life like as if nothing's happened that have been traveling from country to country to country going to concerts going to you know whatever it is i can only imagine the social and just their headspace what they're kind of feeling because at that at one point when i was you know following everything to the dot i felt that way too i felt hey that's not fair like how come all these people are doing whatever they want and slowly for me it was just too much and i kind of said you know what i just don't care anymore like as bad as that sounds it is true and i know i'm not the only one feeling it because a lot of people have said same thing you know it's just like they've done their part they're vaccinated they're gonna wear their mask where they go but they're not gonna just stop living their life and especially you know when you see the rich people or even politicians travel to wherever they want or do whatever they want you know and it's worse when you realize these rich people can do what they want because they were privileged enough to be born into that lifestyle or some people obviously work their work to get there but at the same time not everyone has that you know privilege or that uh you know that um lifestyle so i think we were never in this together and you know we saw that early on and even now the discrepancy is so large of the rich versus the poor um it does feel unfair and even the people who are sticking to the guidelines like one of my good friends you know he's been following the guidelines even to this day he hasn't gone out for groceries he's been ordering groceries and I can only imagine what he feels because there's a, you know, even myself, like I said, I've been traveling a little bit, not as much as I want to, obviously, but like I said, that'd be hypocritical of me. And I'm going to call myself out on it because obviously, you know, I've gone to Saskatchewan, I've gone to the States, but I think that's, that's partly because I've not given up, but I just like, it's, I find it unfair because all these people are doing whatever they want. And I'm like, Hey, why can't I do that? You know? Yeah, I, like, I hear you on that. And, of course, it gets frustrating. I Like, I think that's a part, like, everyone just wants to be able to live their life. Um, and I think that's something, like, even though, you, like, we keep on saying, like, we're only this together, like, uh, we got to push through. There's just so much, like, as a human being that you can push through, right? Um, there's just so much that you can take. And that is, uh, that is a part of it. And, like, I mean, uh, nowadays, like, uh, I had friends ask me, uh, uh, I'm being like super like, okay, I don't know what to do. I had these plane tickets reserved. I don't know if I need to cancel them or not. Um, and I'm just like, honestly, that's a decision up to you. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but they're, and they were like, well, but like, what, what is your point of view? Like as someone that like, you know, kind of like understands a little better what's going on. And my point of view on that is like, look, if you're vaccinated, you have, before it was like, you have your two doses. Now it's like, if you have two or three doses, um, kind of like analyze what your lifestyle has been for like the past, like I would say like for the past month, like how often do you go out? How much often do you interact with others? Uh, what is that kind of like level that you have? So you can judge from there, like uh, if you've been able like to contract it or not. And as well in the other, like, following up to that is like wherever you're traveling one what's the situation over there like are you going to be putting yourself at more risk um if you travel somewhere or whatever your destination is and okay at, at your place of destination what is the plan what are you going to be what are you going to be up to uh what are like just be like i mean there's like if you're going for like a vacation i like your sightseeing and everything is just like be as cautious as possible just be mindful of like the different places as you are that you're going and you're not putting yourself at a greater risk um and then go from there but like like you said it's not like we can stop living <laughs> and, and like doing things that we enjoy uh there's certain things like of course like you have to be a little bit more mindful of but like when when yeah like when friends have approached in terms of like should i travel or not i i'm just like honestly you're protected um at somehow you have a certain level of immunity uh, just in a certain way, don't go somewhere where you're going to be, one, putting yourself at a greater risk, two, a place where if you need to come back, like if something were to happen and you have to fly back home, that you're actually going to be able to be to do that uh, in, a, in, like, in a very fast way, that you have a plan of like how to get back home if you need to, uh, to get back home. And three, just be very cautious 
of like wherever you're going about like what the guidelines are and doing everything in order to keep yourself safe and whoever you're traveling with safe but and that once again that goes to like we live in a globalized world so uh, we're not going to be stopping people from traveling but how do we make travel safer how do we make how do we do tourism safer uh, for everyone so that everyone is able to uh, to enjoy it in a certain way and I think those are the type of questions that we need to start putting in mind is like how do we are able to keep on moving on with this uh, going on in order to like not um, to make sure that people are be able to go out to have people be able to do certain couple of things because I think not only here in Canada but across the world um, that has been seeing a lot of lockdowns or like they have seen a lot of like Deaf people and everything. We just want to to move on forward. Um, so different conversations, right? Like, uh, like, like the newest controversy in Canada is like Quebec, uh, good old Premier Legault saying, "Well, we're gonna have." Uh, it is being called a tax. The way the Quebec government is phrasing it is like a health contribution um, to the unvaccinated, and that's like the newest conversation in the national arena. Is like. Are people in favor of that? Are people against that? How is it going to get implemented if it ever gets implemented? And I think that's a conversation that uh, that now everyone is having because, uh, like we mentioned, like during the episode, the numbers don't lie, and a lot of what's costing the healthcare system are the unvaccinated people. And like you said, if the unvaccinated are going to take away the ICU beds from people that you know have all their health conditions that will put them there. Uh, I think in the medical system, um, it's getting to the point that it's going to start outweighing, kind of like how they usually do with patients when they're running out of ventilators, when they're running out of ICU beds outside of a pandemic, when they wait, like, who, where are the resources going to be better spent, right? Uh, I think slowly that's going to be the transition into that conversation once like with the vaccinated unvaccinated dilemma and everything from our resources standpoint like point of view uh where are the resources of the hospital going to be better spent and who has a better in a certain way it's like who has a better prognosis at times and of course the medical community does not want to be making those choices because they're hard choices to like who do you give medical resources to uh, but i think the more the numbers are getting thrown between vaccinated unvaccinated that is like what is throwing is like, where, where is it better just to have our resources put? Like, who is going to be able to live longer based on, based on everything, and and what's going to be better for everyone? So, uh, I think that's part of that conversation, and we'll not get into the tax conversation because like, uh, that's a bit of controversial. But that's just something now that has been put out on the table. Is like, is Quebec gonna? ask people that by choice and that are not medically exempt from vaccines are there going to be like are they going to have to contribute something to to the healthcare system in a monetary way uh, in order to alleviate some of the strain that they're going to put on it who knows but that's that's the newest on controversies and different policies to go about it we know we thought we were near the end, but I think this is only the beginning and not, I mean, not a pandemic, but the beginning of so much learning to do and how we proceed. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten already how to act in a pandemic because, you know, say in five years, 10 years from now, another pandemic hits and it's way worse than COVID, you know, I don't know if we're prepared for it because like you said earlier, um, if we forget our history, we're going to repeat it. Right. So I don't know if that's good, bad, you know, I mean, obviously not great, but if people aren't prepared for it, it's going to only hurt not just the people not because pre- unprepared make the prepared not prepared either, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it's like, I think, um, I think it's the start of a new conversation of how we're going to go about this, because, you know, um, we're going into almost three uh, year number three of this. Um, so uh, though we keep on 
going into guidelines, going into lockdowns and everything, I think um, it is time to change perspective. It is time to start addressing some of like what other effects the pandemic is having and ha start having a different conversation on how to start addressing it so that um, people are able to continue living their lives in, in that way. So I think it's time to sometimes shift that conversation in a way. Absolutely. And it seems like, you know, you and I could talk about COVID forever because it has been our life for the last two years, like we always mentioned. But is there any final thoughts you'd want the listeners to, you know, get from you personally, Andreas? Uh, for me, just like I think number one is just make sure that you check in with your loved ones. Make like either they live close to you or they live somewhere else. Uh, make sure that you're just checking in and making sure that uh, if you can offer some help and you're in the position to do it, do so. But checking with your loved ones, checking in with yourself, because this is how sneaking a burden in all of us. Uh, take care of your mental health. I know that sounds pretty repetitive, but honestly, our mental health has been one of the things uh, that has taken the biggest toll um, <clears throat> throughout this pandemic. So just make sure that you're taking care of that, reaching out for help if you need it. Um, and yeah, you just know, like we keep on saying there's an end to it, to this. Uh, I know it sounds like sometimes that it doesn't look like it, but there is. So just, um, you know, keep, um, um, keep on doing your best. And, you know, if you haven't gotten your booster, go ahead and go get, uh, get your booster and, you know, if you know the science and you know the information and you know you have people that are spreading misinformation, if you feel like you have the energy and the power to do that, uh, just finish and struck down any misinformation that you see because that's, like, that's another pandemic that we're going through. It's a pandemic of misinformation. But I think those are, will be my wrapping notes. How are you reaching? Um, number one be there for each other like you said i think that's the biggest thing because as much as we want to say we're all in this together there's the, there's a big difference you know that we see on the news that we see on the media versus our everyday daily lives because you know you really need to look out for one another um secondly we got to hold hold people in power accountable obviously there's so many other things that we need to hold them accountable for as well but the pandemic truly has shown how inefficient and almost backwards the government can be sometimes. And I'm not anti-government. I'm all for government. But I think, you know, going forward, there needs to be some changes. And lastly, be prepared for, be prepared for more waves because I don't think this is ever going to end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, like, that thing, that's a good point. Be up. Uh, this is really like, you know, at this point, it's about resiliency. So it got you, we all got it. And yeah, you do what you need to do in order to, to get through it. Absolutely. So Andreas, you know, with that, let's stop the COVID talk there. Cause I'm sure you have <laughs> enough. I have enough. And obviously we'll be talking about COVID in future episodes, but you know, today was a really good conversation around everything and, you know, Let's move on to the next segment of our episode. Sounds lovely. So, Brishan, what are you looking forward for this week? Um, this week, I'm looking forward to being back in Canada, obviously, being back here. It's my brother's Tuesday, so I think I'll, if it doesn't snow too much, hopefully I'll see him. If not, I know he's going to come over on the weekend to celebrate. And then next week, and obviously next week, uh, um, I'll talk about it more, but it is my birthday. So looking forward to that. Probably not doing anything, but hopefully we can still have a little bit of fun, whether uh, my brother comes here or Grima comes here or Andres, you're invited too. So if you can come <laughs> here, we'll do something fun, but obviously nothing too crazy. Sounds lovely, buddy. How about you, Andres? What are you looking forward to for this upcoming week? Uh, for this upcoming week, definitely not looking at the storm that is going to hit us or already hit us by the time the episode is out. So not looking forward to that. Um, um, what I'm looking forward to 
you know, honestly, another week of learning. Like, this semester, honestly, I enjoy all of my classes. I enjoy the way all of the props go about, uh, the way they teach. Um, so, um, looking forward for another week, uh, another week of learning. And, yeah, I just, um, yeah, you know, the world is our oyster. <laughs> so, just um, don't really, like, there's no big plans for this week. Uh, but maybe looking forward to doing something over the weekend with our classmates. Just, you know, we've been online for a bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to probably just do some plans to um, try to go skating. Montreal has a lot of uh, skate ring, skating rinks, uh, like outdoors. So probably that's something I'll be probably looking forward to is planning something with with some friends over here to, to go skating. Um, they're probably either by... The old port or up in Mont, Mont, Mont Royal. We'll see where it, we end up, but I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm looking forward to to going skating because it is honestly it is lovely. But yeah, that's about it. That sounds so exciting. Um, I can we can't hear to, we can't wait to hear the updates on what you do this week. Sounds good, buddy. So where can they our listeners reach us out? So, like always, you know, if you want to talk to us about COVID, your thoughts, feelings, emotions, or, you know, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or crybaby stuff about anything, and I mean anything, you guys can always listen, uh, reach out to us at the Two Average Brown Bros Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, or our individual DMs are always open, you know, let us know your thoughts, let us know what you're thinking, let us know if you're tired of this pandemic, or you're still pushing through and you're still you know following all the restrictions to the dot um obviously you're doing better than me but i'll be happy to talk about it you know andres will be happy to talk about his thoughts let us know and you know reach out to us exactly and yeah just share your opinion with us how you feeling and what what should we be doing for moving forward as a society uh, we want to hear from you but yeah that brings us to the end of our episode Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. And we'll catch you up next week with a brand new episode of the Two Average Brothers Podcast. Bye. See ya.